Anthony. Go get them over there in India. Hey, you know what? Things are rocking here too. I, you know, people talk about this next generation and that we lose the college age. You know, they graduate and then they pop out. That's not the whole story. There are young people uh, that are loving Jesus and being sent around the world. I went to a conference uh, this weekend here in San Diego, and there were like over a thousand. Uh, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old college students that are being commissioned to go around the world and share Jesus. I mean, it was just awesome. So I videotaped just a little bit. I was weeping. It's just so awesome. Check this out. Mike, can you show this video real quick? Come on. God is drawing teenagers, college-age students, children, and I need my laptop. Honey, can you bring my laptop to me? I'm sorry. I left it down there in the chair. And the next chair, there you go. Thank you so much. Um, before I get into the word today, I'm so excited to bring today's word to you. But uh, I like, thank you, sweetheart. Um, and there's one of the teenagers that loves Jesus right there. No, don't patty cake. Come on now. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one later. <laughs> um, so at our church, uh, for those of you who don't, that you're visiting or you're not familiar with us, we don't want to just be a teaching church. We want to be a demonstration church. Amen. And so we don't just teach about what Jesus did way back when, but we read testimonies, hopefully every Sunday, about what Jesus is doing right now. So that we can expect more, not less. Testimonies, the word a testimony means to do again. When you hear a testimony, the same faith that created that miracle the first time can leap into your heart. And you can say, I believe that God can do that for me or for my uncle or for my husband or my child or my friend or whoever. Also, and that faith is activated. So here's a great one. Uh, this is from Monica, a member of our church. And uh, she said, Pastor John, I just wanted you to know I bruised my tailbone from a fall on Tuesday and was seen in the emergency room. It was extremely painful. Anybody ever done that before, your tailbone? Woo! I'm feeling it right now. I wasn't sure I would be able to sit through Sunday's church service. I'm very thankful you allowed prayer teams to help others during the songs of worship. Mark Nelson and Mark Myers helped pray for me in my back. While they prayed, I smelled an acrid, acidic smell. I don't know what acrid is, but... Yeah? Acrid, acidic smell. I believe the smell had been released from me. Okay, it's her testimony. <laughs> and after the prayers, I then could continue standing and sing. And when I went to sit to listen to you speak, I was comfortable. And it was the best message I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was comfortable, and I felt a numbness in my back and right leg and right foot, allowing me to feel numbness there instead of pain. When I went to sit in my car for the ride home, there was less pain. And when I returned home, I could move about more easily. And today, when I woke, this is the first day I rose without pain. You see that gradual healing? The word, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The word recover is a medical term that means anywhere from instantaneously to uh, a gradual healing. So if you don't experience something immediately here, don't shut off your faith. Jesus prayed for 10 lepers and they weren't healed until they walked away from him. They were leaving the prayer line and they were healed on their way home. So 
you know, let's not put God in a box. Thanks to our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who used Mark and Mark and Mark and their prayers to help ease my pain and lessen it and make me comfortable. I just want you to know this is my second time in only two weeks in approaching the prayer teams and asking for prayer. I feel God calling me and pulling me there and that he will help me. Then she says, I always thought that asking for my back to be healed is too much to ask God. I'm just going to let that sink and, re- and, and rebuke anybody else that thinks those kind of thoughts. Just let those thoughts be beat out of you with this testimony stick right now. You see that? Her back wasn't healed. She lived with pain because of that lie that was in her mind. I've always thought that asking for my back to be healed is too much to ask God. But you reminded me to ask, capital letters, big, and to pray, capital letters, big things, because he is the one who will answer. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. So, what Mark prophesied earlier over our team were sent in the India to believe for more, not less. When it comes to the supernatural. What, what was the word? Is that it? Better to believe for too much than two. That's better. Because it was from the Holy Spirit. Better to believe too much for too much than for too little when it comes to the supernatural. And her right here saying, I thought it was too much to ask the Lord to heal my back. But you've taught us to pray big prayers so God can do big things so that God can get big glory. And that's the series we're in that God said to us this year, we're going to see the glory of God. The, that prophecy and her testimony actually dovetail perfectly into my message today, which is called Above and Beyond. Amen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is talking to us this morning, family. He's trying to elevate our faith level so God can do more stuff. And Stephanie, who we just prayed for up here to, going to India, she sent me a link today, or yesterday, of, a, of prophets. There, there's a guy on TV, Sid Roth, and he interviewed about 20 prophets around the globe. They sent in a video of what they thought they heard God say about 2020. And do you know what one of the main themes were through those prophecies? God's glory. God's glory. That's right. Now listen. I don't listen to other people's stuff because I want to make sure I'm not preaching somebody else's stuff. I want to make sure that when I come to you, I'm bringing to you what I believe the Lord is truly saying to the best of my ability. And so I didn't listen to what other people said God was saying about 2020. I got alone with them on Coronado Island, sitting on the bench. I saw the skyline and the Lord spoke to me and said, this year, San Diego is going to see with your natural eye, my glory. And so then I started preaching on it this month. We're fasting and praying for that glory to manifest because that's our partnership piece. And so then when I watched those prophets saying the same thing, that was tremendous confirmation for me. I hope it's tremendous confirmation for you. Amen. So today, I want to preach a message I'm calling Above and Beyond. I love it when God reveals His glory, His majesty, His authority, His splendor, His goodness, His healing, His prosperity, His breakthrough in our lives. And it goes above and beyond what we are expecting now that might sound like hyper preaching and just i'm pontificating trying to fluff you up 
It's Bible. So you can believe it. It's not just the Word of God. It's also the Spirit of God prophesying to you. The Bible says that if you believe His prophets, you shall prosper. It says if you believe in the Lord, you shall be established. But if you believe His prophets, you shall prosper. That's why the Bible says do not despise, think low of, devalue, criticize, overanalyze prophecies. Because you can just sit back, a prophecy comes at you, you're like, yeah, well, we'll see. No, you won't. In fact, in the Bible... When uh, this city had been sieged by the enemy, meaning that they had blocked off all the water supply, all the food supply, and nobody could come in or out, and they're just going to wait for the people in the city to starve to death. And they were uh, exercising cannibalism in that city because they were starving to death. That's how bad it was. And the prophet came to the king and said, this time tomorrow, you'll be able to buy a gallon of milk for a nickel and a loaf of bread for a penny. And the guy standing next to the king who was one of his commanders the king was leaning up against his commander's uh, staff the commander was supporting the king and the the king's assistant the the general of the army said if god could make windows in heaven this would never happen and the prophet turned to him and said oh it's going to happen but you're going to see it but not partake of it the next day God wiped out the army and the people of God that were in that city ran out and they plundered all the enemy stuff and they had more than they needed and a gallon of milk was sold for a nickel and a, and a loaf of bread for a penny. But when God's enemies had been defeated and all the people were rushing out of the city to go out into the enemy's camp to get all their stuff, they trampled the king's general to death. Moral of the story. (laughs) You do not want to be that guy. You want to be the yes and amen person. Amen? Amen. You want to be the person that believes the word of the Lord so you can see it manifest in your life. So, let's look what the Bible says about this. This verse is, just blows my mind. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now. Everybody say now. Now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Now. Say now. Now. Say it again. Say it again. Now. Now. That's God's word. It's a now word. Prophetic words are now words. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, not some, all that we ask or think. Now the asking and thinking part are non-negotiable. Your faith in God's economy, what God does in the earth, is a non-negotiable. He could do it without you. He refused to do it without you. He did not create us to do it by himself. He created us for us to, be, to partner with him in the earth. The Bible says the heavens are born of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons and daughters of men. So we steward the earth, God stewards heaven, and we partner with God through our faith-filled prayers and proclamations and believe in His promises. That's how heaven's released it into the earth. That's why faith is so critical. So you have to ask and even imagine things that God could do in the earth, in your life, in your marriage, with your kids. It doesn't matter how dark it is. Use your imagination. To imagine God doing miraculous things. In this verse, the Bible says that God 
can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you are asking for or even imagining. Amen. That's the God we serve. Don't be that guy that says, oh, God created the windows in heaven. That could never happen. Don't be that guy. Reading on in the scripture, according to, here it is, the power that works, that works in us. Not the power that lays dormant in us, the power that works in you. What power is that? It's the faith that God has placed in your spirit that you're cultivating and growing. Jesus comes down from a mountain one day after being with the Father, with, with three of his disciples. They come walking down on the scene where this guy's boy is demon-possessed, and they called it epilepsy. Many times an affliction is spiritual. And the guy says, you're, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't cast it out. No, the disciples did not conclude, well, we couldn't cast it out because it wasn't God's will. That was never in their theology. And it is not in mine. I hope it's not in yours. I never pray, God, if it be your will, heal this person. The only place you find if it be your will is in two places. One, I'm going to go to this city and that city. I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell and my business is going to prosper. And James says, hey, you arrogant person. You say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go do such and such and such and such. Another place is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he wants to get out of going to the cross and he asks the fathers that another way and he says no and he says, okay, your will be done, not mine be done. But you never see ever in the Bible if it be your will to heal this person, save this person, deliver this person. Jesus paid for all that on the cross. Amen. And we're fighting for it on the earth. If you are not convinced that it's God's will to heal you, you can't exercise your faith. Yep. And, it's, and it's ludicrous and schizophrenic to believe that God afflicted a person with sickness or disease and then pray for them to be healed. Amen. What is he? The afflictor or the healer? It's whack. Everybody say, God good, good. the devil bad. bad. Pretty simple theology, isn't it? The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. The Bible says this is the reason Jesus was manifest in the earth to destroy the works of the devil. And then we see Jesus defining works in his ministry as saving, healing, delivering, setting free. See, I stumbled over this when I was a young Christian and I had a sickness that I couldn't get rid of. And I was struggling over whether it was God's will to heal me or not. It was when I crossed the line, when God gave me his a revelation from the Word of God on this topic that I crossed that line, I knew it sunk down. You know, the, the, what do they call the dime dropped? Is that the phrase? Penny dropped? Well, yeah, drop a dime is when you brat on somebody. Right. The penny dropped. The penny dropped on the inside of me, and I've never gone back over that line wondering if it's God's will for me to be healed or for you to be healed, ever. I don't, that, I don't ever wrestle with that ever again. I don't want you ever to wrestle with that again. 
You say, well, why hasn't it happened? I don't know. We can try to figure it out. Maybe we don't know. But what I do know is it's not because God doesn't want you healed. Right. And we're going to look at that in a story that we're going we're to unearth over the next two Sundays, starting today, if I ever get to it. And then we're going to continue on tomorrow or next Sunday. We're just going to read through a story and we're going to see above and beyond. It's an awesome story in the Bible. But I want you to see this verse because this sets us up to have the big thinking that we need to have about our big God so that we can believe him for big things. And as you believe him for big things, he actually goes beyond your big asking. And we're at the place where we're trying to get permission to ask big, like Monica, who just broke through to it. Praise God. I want us to get to the level where we're not just asking big, but we're asking big and then God goes above and beyond our big asks. A S K S. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to, everybody say this verse, the power that works in us. Say it. The power that works in us. See the partnership? That's what this fast is about. It's for us to get intimate with Christ. Our faith in him goes up. God does more stuff. Two bit, now, okay, here comes the whammy. Here comes the mother load. Here comes the whole point of this verse. To him be glory in the church. That's how God gets glory in the church. Is when we are asking big fat prayers, God says, oh, I can do even better than that. And then he goes, wham, on your life. And you're part of the church. And so in the church, we have testimonies that blow people's minds because we asked big, God did bigger than our big, and then we get a point to him and say, because our God's a big God. That's the glory in the church. Come on. So quit being the weak link in the body of Christ and asking these puny prayers. They insult God. They insult his greatness and bigness. It insults the cross when we small pray small little things. He does the small things and the big things. But we need to ask for all the things. I ask for parking spaces. That's a small thing. And you say, oh, God, you're using the name of Jesus on a parking space? Absolutely. I park while you drive around the block. <laughs> and I ask for medium things and I ask for big things and I want you to too. To him be glory in the church. Now watch this next phrase. This may be the only thing we get to today is this passage. Because it's so fat and full. Yes. To him be glory in the church. Because the church is praying these big prayers. And God's doing big things. By Christ Jesus. It's not power positive thinking. It's not praying to the universe. It's not some other uh, weird new age Drawing things to ourselves through. It's through Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Everything that comes into your life from heaven comes through Jesus. He is the latter. He is the son of God. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It's all because of him. It's all through him, it's all for him, it's all by him, and all the glory goes to him. Now watch this. To all generations. You see, if you're not praying big fat prayers so God can do big fat things, so he gets big fat glory, your kids are never going to see 
I'm not going to say you're a big fat God. They're never going to see <laughs> the glory of God in your home. Your kids aren't going to hear these testimonies. Right now I'm working on a book, Ettor's God Stories, Ettor Family God Stories. I want my kids to have, we have so many God stories in our family, I honestly don't think we're going to be able to remember them all, to record them all, which is my bad. Sat around the dinner table one time and talked to my kids about this, and we all started talking about, what about this, what about that, and I'm writing down a list of all the things God has done. When I tell people stories from our family, at one point, they just, they say, stop. There's just, that's just ridiculous. There's no way. Like, yeah, and I got more. And you may have more than I do. Some of you don't. Some of you don't hardly have any, and you're wondering about it. you got to start believing God. And then the next generation, see what it says to all generations? The next generation, God said, tell your God stories to your children so the next generation will learn to put their trust in me. That's why we're a demonstration church and not just an information church. These kids you saw in that conference, they are encountering God. In fact, Francis Chan, who was one of the keynote speakers, you may know him, had a massive church up in San Francisco, and he um, is one of the keynote speakers. He was an evangelical. This is his testimony. I just I was had lunch with him yesterday, and uh, he was telling the story. And he said, "You know, I was one of those in the body of Christ." And he said, "I want to repent to." There were some pastors. I want to repent to all of you. I was one of the pastors in the body of Christ that said that God doesn't do miracles anymore, and I was very uh, vigilant about that message and thought I knew more than everybody else on that topic. He said, "Then I went to my mar and." I saw deaf ears open through my hands, blind eyes open. He said this mom was deaf and, and, and mute. Her daughter was deaf and mute, eight-year-old daughter, and her six-year-old son was deaf and mute. They all were. And he said, we laid hands on him, and this girl starts crying and she, because she could hear for the first time in her life. And then she turned and laid hands on her little brother, and he was healed. And then they started counting. It was the first time they had ever spoken. He said, it blew my paradigm. So now he has a different message. To all generations, forever and ever, it never ceases, it never stopped, it goes on forever and ever. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. At the end of that first verse for today. But I want to... Look at the definition of abundantly because it just gets even more ridiculous. The word abundantly in this passage means super abundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above. See, it's not a hyper title. More than enough. Not just enough to get by. More than enough because God wants you to be a blessing to everyone else around you. Profuse. Extraordinary. Above the ordinary and more than sufficient. Let's stop praying small prayers. Our world is sick and dying and going to hell. And we are praying these tiny prayers 
either because of our little faith in God or because we don't think it's appropriate. Just stop that. Stop it. Right now. That's it. No more. I'm going to pray prayers that offend everybody around me. Better, it's better to ask. Say it again, Mark. For too little, it's, for too much. It's, oh, no, that wouldn't make Come on, do better. Come on. What, what, what did the Holy Spirit say? It's better that you ask for too much. It's better that you ask for too much than too little of the supernatural. Than too little of the supernatural. Let's say it out loud. It's better to ask for too much than for too little in the supernatural. Do you know, uh, I was someone that I was really close to me uh, committed suicide. And I was sitting in the backseat of a car after I'd heard the news and I was completely despondent. I couldn't talk to anybody around me. I was locked in my grief and sorrow, rightly so. And uh, I was in that condition for a couple of days, and I couldn't get out of it. And any psychologist worth their salt will tell you it's going to take you like two years to process that grief and get to a place of normalcy. I was sitting in the back of that car. It doesn't happen every time, but it happens. This is my point about the God we serve. He spoke a scripture to me while I'm sitting in the backseat of that car. Today is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve. Out of the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Do not be sorrowful. Do not grieve. Today is holy to the Lord. And that grief, he spoke that word, that grief literally came up and out of me. And as much as I missed the person, I was not incapacitated by the grief anymore. It was a miraculous deliverance from grief. And that even goes beyond the scripture that says we do not sorrow like those who have no hope. Meaning, if your friend who's a Christian dies, you are sorrowful and you grieve to a certain degree because they're gone, but you'll see them in heaven. People that do not have that hope live with that loss and that grief and it's immovable and unreconcilable because they do not believe that they will see them again on the other side. For us, they just move somewhere, and we're going to go move there soon too. Well, hopefully not too soon. This was even beyond that. This was a deliverance from grief. Some of you may need that, and God can do that for you. Okay. I want, to, I want to take uh, my last 10 minutes. I've been preaching for 21 minutes. I'm going to go for 10 more minutes. And I want, to, and I want, to, I want to embark on this story that we're going to explore for the next couple of weeks on this topic. And I just want to hit the first few verses on this. And then uh, we'll pick it up next week. You guys with me for 10 more minutes? Yeah. All right, here we go. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, above and beyond. Everybody say above and beyond. beyond. Say it again, above and beyond. beyond. Verse 1, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, her sister. 
It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for, say it out loud, the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I just want to say two things about those few verses for today. And it's just a whole treasure chest full of stuff we're going to hit on next week. First, a horrible interpretation of that verse is that God gets glory in sickness. And that is taught by people who could teach the better Bible better than I can. But on this point, they're just wrong. And, and, you, and you know it just by reading the story. Besides the theology I spoke to you about a minute ago about God's will regarding healing, the, the, the definition of this particular story of the glory of God was raising Lazarus from the dead. That's right. So clearly, the glory Jesus was talking about was full-on healing, including being raised from the dead. Amen. It wasn't the sickness itself. And if, you, and if you hear that kind of teaching and you buy into that kind of teaching, you will not believe for healing. Because you will think, oh, God has given me this sickness so that somehow he can be glorified through it. <laughs> I wish I could use a more inappropriate word right now, but we are in church and I don't use those words anyway. But I'm, but I'm thinking it. I'm thinking it right now. Yeah, I bet you will. Go, Mark. Mark sins for both of us a lot. No, he doesn't. But he might use that word. It's just a pile of smelly stuff. That teaching is a pile of smelly stuff. Can God get glory in sickness? Yes, only because of the way you and I travel through it with him. And glorify God because of our character and our trust in Him through it. Like the testimony I gave you last week of Marsha who's sitting back there. About in her battle for cancer that she encouraged somebody else going through cancer. And it blew them away that someone who's going through the valley of the shadow of death could be speaking hope to somebody else going through the valley of the shadow of death. And it glorified God. So the sickness doesn't glorify Him. But her behavior in the sickness did glorify Him. And does glorify Him. Amen. So that's the first thing I want to say about that. The next thing I want to say is this. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were friends with Jesus. Such a big word. I'm not going to unpack that whole thing today. But you're going to see through this passage. I want you to read this this week. Read John chapter 11 this week. As you go through this passage, you're going to see a whole dimension of a relationship with Jesus that Jesus wants you to have that you may not have. It's not agape. It's phileo. Agape is so liberating. It's the unconditional love of God. In other words, you're a complete moron and God loves you anyway. That's agape. Everybody say, thank God for agape. (laughs) That's how you get into the kingdom. It's not because you're so smart and good looking and that you can quote scripture and you give money to the church, you even attend church. That does not get you into heaven. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage and make you a car. God's unconditional love. 
You can be the worst human being on the planet. You cry out to God for forgiveness through his son, and you shall be saved. That's agape. And God may be holding his nose while he does it because you're so stinky, but his agape sent his son to the earth, so whoever believes in him shall be saved. That's agape. But there's a whole other realm that I think very few Christians truly walk in. That Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are walking in. And that is phileo. It's the word you get friendship love from. In fact, the same word, the word friend, which we'll see in this story, is the word philos, which comes from the word philo, phileo, which is the friendship, the intimacy, the brotherly love. When they said to Jesus, and this is so huge, family of God, grab this. They did not say, call for Jesus because we want him to heal our brother because he's such a good man. Because when Jesus comes through town on his way to Jerusalem, he always stops at our house and we serve him, serving in the church. Because we serve him, we make him meals. He sits on our couch. Jesus always went to their house and just chilled with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved these guys, and they loved him. And the word love there, Lazarus, whom you love, is the word phileo. The guy you love like a brother. Oh, man, if you and I could get a glimpse of what is available to us in our relationship with Jesus... It really will completely revolutionize your walk with God from creator, creation, to master, servant, even from son and daughter to father, to friend. I have a whole teaching series on this. Rick said it changed his his walk with God, changed his life. It will change yours too. They appealed to Jesus on his friendship love with Lazarus to heal him. Now watch. Not on Lazarus' love for Jesus. Not on Martha's cooking for Jesus. Not on Mary's devotional life for Jesus. When people pray for people to be healed, oh Lord, you know how they have served you. Oh, you know how wonderful Pastor John is. He serves everybody. He teaches us the Bible. Oh Lord, what are you doing? You're paying for it. Paying for it. Trying to earn it. You cannot add anything to the cross. That prayer is an insult to the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an insult to the covenant of Almighty God. Jesus Jesus did not go around and interview people and then decide whether they were worthy to be healed or not. It says he healed them all and there were scumbags in the crowd. God doesn't heal us because we're good. He heals us because he's good. It's all by grace. This fast that we are on is for intimacy. I've been asking the Lord every day, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, draw me in. Come close to me, Jesus. I can't survive without you. I need love for my children. I need love for my wife. I need love for your church. I need love for the unsaved. I need love for idiots. I need love for me. Because I have to look in the mirror every day. It's his love. And I'm asking not for the agape, the phileo, the intimacy, the friendship love. That is where they got their faith from. I want you to hear this, family of God. 
easy faith comes from an ease relationship with Jesus. What I mean by that is Jesus would come to their house and sit on their couch. And Mary would come and sit by his feet and just listen to him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, they heard the word of God. But it was in the context of friendship. It wasn't just him out preaching like I'm doing right now. He would sit in their living room and just talk to them about God. And it's from that place of friendship and intimacy and hearing his voice when you're reading the word and, and, and Jesus is talking to you. And it, it's from that place of friendship that they say, go tell Jesus. So they knew, they knew who to call on. Go tell Jesus that his friend is sick. And ask him to come because the person that Jesus loves See, that, that, is, that is where their, that's what was, their faith was connected to. Jesus' love for Lazarus. Now, I will pray that prayer. When I pray for saints and I pray for sinners, I lay my hands on I'll say, Jesus, I know how much you love this human being. Yes. Now, heal. Come on. <laughs> the Bible says... Jesus looked out over the multitudes. I mean, there's all sorts of kinds of people in that crowd. He looked over the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed them all. Above and beyond our religious box that we have Jesus no more. No more. Whew. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I want us to have a response time in here. I know we don't still want to teach the word and then just walk out. I want us to have a time where we can respond to what you've heard this morning. Maybe, maybe you're the weak link. Maybe you're the pitiful prayer. Maybe you're the tiny... I don't want to offend God with my little, my bigger prayers because it's so selfish. No, it's not. The Bible says that if he did not spare his own son, will he not freely give us all things? But it's not just for you. It's so that you can tell everybody about the goodness of your God. Let's all stand. As we walk through the story, I want you to read, read, read John 11 this week. Ask the Lord to talk to you. Break down some barriers. Open your eyes. As we read through the story, you're going to see that Jesus went above and beyond Martha and Mary's plea and did something they weren't. They didn't, it wasn't even in their imagination. They asked, and they could imagine. Jesus healing their brother wasn't even in their mind that he could raise him from the dead. How are you limiting God? What are you afraid to pray about and pray for? Ask God right now. Just put your hand over your heart. 
and just ask him, God, break down the barriers of unbelief and fear and doubt in my heart. Come on, go ahead. You pray now. Come on, this is response time. Just what is it that you're afraid? What is it that your unbelief is saying, that's stupid, you can't pray that prayer. You can't believe God for that. It might be a salvation of someone you think there's no way that person will be saved. It could be the healing of a loved one. I don't know what it is, but that's between you and God. So you just pray now and ask the Lord to break those barriers down on the inside of you.